Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, updating the state's election system, the DNR's ICANN program, and Minnesota Olympic gold medal winning hockey player Kelly Panic. But first... State lawmakers have had the week off for the Passover Easter break, but they're back at the Capitol Monday. MNN's Bill Werner is here to assess how things have gone so far and what the prospects are for the remaining six weeks of the session. So, Bill, how productive was the first half? Well, Scott, as far as work output goes, probably on par with a typical legislative session, if there is such a thing. Governor Mark Dayton appears reasonably satisfied. Success finally in in getting the uh, Minlar's emergency funding, the transfer of money, was a real uh, decision point whether they were going to send one a bill that they knew it would, was going to have to veto. And they, they, to their credit, the legislature, both House and Senate, sent me, they agreed to and sent a clean bill, relatively clean bill, and that was, uh, I think, a good indicator that we can, we can work things out and work together. You know, as you, we all know, the next uh, two months, close to it, after they come back is where a real crunch uh, occurs, and we'll have to see what, what happens then, but I say so far so good. There are a number of issues remaining for the rest of the session, two being the most prominent. First, a bonding bill for state public works projects. Work will gear up when lawmakers come back, but Governor Dayton's $1.5 billion proposal is more than double what some Republicans are talking about, and there will be a lot of horse trading on that. Second big issue is what in capital parlance is called tax conformity namely lining up Minnesota's tax code with the federal system, and the major changes that President Trump pushed through Congress make that a daunting task for the legislature in this short session. Senate Republican Majority Leader Paul Gazelka. The federal government did the most significant change in taxes since 1986, and we have an opportunity to do the same thing in Minnesota and have a a tax bill that actually shifts how we do taxes in Minnesota, uh, the difficulty is if we just conform, we're going to raise between 400 and $500 million more in new taxes in Minnesota. So even though federally about 90% of Minnesotans are going to get a tax reduction, if we're not careful, both individuals and businesses will get a tax increase in Minnesota. We're trying to prevent that, both for individuals and businesses, but how do we do it in such a way that you know, moves us in, in a direction that aligns with the federal government so Minnesota wins rather than being a losing state where everybody has to pay more taxes. Carleton College political analyst Stephen Shear says, I think tax conformity with the new federal changes may be the issue that consumes the rest of the legislative session. The reason I say that is that, first of all, it's technically complex, and so there are a lot of things to work through on the technical side. But second of all, it's now become a debate between Democrats and Republicans about proper tax policy for the state, and that's a huge disagreement that has to be worked through as well. Governor Dayton, who's getting ready to leave office, is also pushing so-called legacy issues, most notably firming up funding for pre-kindergarten programs. I'm determined to get it. Just the consequences, as they described, to have uh, this program be taken away from schools that are carrying it out forward now, it should be expanded. I mean, it should be expanded in associate school readiness plus and associate early uh, learning scholarships and, and all of our efforts for early ch- uh, childhood education. 
It's the best strategy we know for closing the achievement gap before it gets started, before it gets locked in. So why wouldn't we do everything we possibly can and then hung up here because of the politics? So they can have tax breaks for premium cigars and for multi-millionaire states, and they don't have enough money to provide the quality learning experiences for four-year-olds. It's shameful. Republicans are resistant to spend a lot of money on pre-kindergarten. Senate Majority Leader Gazelka says... We have a two-year budget that we passed last year, so we don't have to provide new money anywhere, and I, I want to be very careful about what we do in that regard. But secondly, there's a, a legislative auditor report that's supposed to come out, uh, I believe it's in mid-April, uh, that evaluates all of the pre-K programs that we do because there's multiple programs uh, and to evaluate well which ones are working and which ones are not and so I'm really not interested in, in providing more money or new money there until we really know what's effective and what's not. Of all the issues the most volatile right now is probably guns. Professor Shear says background checks or other explicit gun control legislation are going nowhere with the Republican legislature so the way out for both parties to claim credit on what is now, in the short term at least, a very hot issue is to increase funding for school security. And I think you can uh, bet a fair amount of money that that's going to happen. The, the Republicans uh, in the House came out with a, a hefty bill, uh, $50 million, $50 million, a lot bigger than what the governor was proposing. Uh, what, what does that do? Does that uh, take money away from other things? Oh, yeah, it does. It takes away from, uh, for example, the governor's education proposals. Since Democrats agree that some funding should occur, uh, it's going to pass. Whether it'll be the full amount the Republicans want is hard to say. That's Carleton College professor Stephen Shear. What we do know for certain, Scott, is that the legislature must finish its work by midnight on Sunday, May 20th. That's not very far off at all. Or there could be a special session something Republicans in particular would not want in this election year. Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. President Trump recently signed a $1.3 trillion spending bill to keep the government running. The bill includes $380 million to upgrade states' election systems. Democratic Senator Amy Klobuchar was instrumental in writing the bipartisan election upgrade legislation, and I spoke with the senator about why it's so important. Well, this is a nationwide effort, and I actually took it on with Senator James Langford, who's a conservative Republican in Oklahoma. Uh, we both felt uh, that this wasn't a partisan issue. This was about protecting America's uh, democracy, because if the Russians get into our voting equipment and steal voter data or hack into actually the results, then no one's going to trust our democracy. And we have reason to be fearful of this. 21 states they attempted to hack into in the last election. They literally got into the Illinois voter data. And Trump's security heads, including his head of intelligence and CIA, have said that they believe he's getting, they're getting bolder and they're going to do it again. And they said it under oath. So what we did is we got $385 million, and that is going uh, directly to states to help them with backup paper ballots. Ten states don't have that. And then to upgrade their election equipment. Forty states have not upgraded their election equipment in over 10 years, and the Russians know it. And so that is why we're really pleased this got in there and that people finally had the 
foresight to think ahead here and not be partisan about this. I'm really pleased that we were able to pass this bill as part of the budget. Funding for the bill comes at just the right time. Earlier this month, the state's legislative auditor recommended that Minnesota update its voter registration database. I spoke with Secretary of State Steve Simon about the audit and what Minnesota needs to do to keep our voter information safe. The big takeaway for me was the need for us to modernize and secure our statewide voter registration system database known as SVRS. The reason that's important is the number one threat to our election integrity in this country and in this state is the threat of a cyber attack from someone seeking to undermine our democracy. In 2016, Minnesota was one of 21 states targeted by elements associated with the Russian government. We passed that test with flying colors, though. We managed to rebuff and turn away any possible attempts to intrude into our system. But of those 21 states, two other states had a very different situation. They were targeted, and what was targeted and what was infiltrated in those two states, version of our SVRS system. So modernizing and upgrading it is vital. It is a top priority. We have asked the legislature for $1.4 million over four years, not two years, to accomplish that task. I have to tell you, um, I and other secretaries of state have received uh, intelligence briefings from the Department of Homeland Security. I have both in Minnesota and in Washington, D.C., and this is a deadly serious issue. We have been told to expect more of this from more and different actors in the years to come, including, but not limited to, this year, the 2018 election. And Mr. Secretary, you mentioned the, the $1.4 million over four years. If you could, just give me a general sense of where that money goes and what it's used for. Yeah, uh, it's pretty simple, actually. Uh, we think we need to hire three or four people to work for three or four years to do the complex and uh, labor-intensive computer coding that needs to be done to that SVRS system. That system was built, and built well, I should add, in 2004. Uh, but it's old, and the programming is old, and that system has been asked to do and accomplish so many more things than it was ever intended to do, and that's put some stress and strain on it. Again, I want to emphasize, we passed with flying colors in 2016, but we can't in good conscience anymore say that we can just do things on a temporary basis or with fixes that are um, short-term. We need long-term and sustainable modernization, and that means hiring some people for a number of years to do what needs to be done. Mr. Secretary, I know I've asked you this question in the past, and uh, I'm just curious if, if the answer is any different now that the audit has happened. But, you know, for the average person out there listening, how confident can they be that their voter information is secure and that we're getting accurate results when we have elections? I think Minnesotans can be extremely confident that we have a very clean well-run and secure system right now. But I like to say that this is a race without a finish line. There is no tape that you cross. There's no end zone where you get to spike the football. We always have to stay one step ahead of the bad guys, and they get more clever every year. Some of them are funded by governments with virtually unlimited budgets. And so it's a question of trying to sound the alarm on this issue without being alarmist. Minnesotans know that the system is secure and well-run, and one of the reasons I think we know they know is they vote in such high numbers. We're number one in the country as of 2016 in voter turnout, and I don't think that would happen unless people on an everyday basis knew that, that we, we ran a pretty tight ship. That said, this is a threat, and it's my duty in this office to warn people about what I've seen. I can't go into specifics in terms of some of the briefings I've received, but I can say that this is a threat. It's here to stay. We have to be vigilant. That takes focus, yes, but it's also going to take money. And where does that money come from? 
Well, uh, you know, I was really heartened at the unveiling of this report earlier today. Um, uh, there was a widespread and bipartisan uh, acknowledgement of this issue and a commitment to work together to finding the money um, either this year or next year so that we can embark upon this three- or four-year project to do the right thing. I have to say, so far, legislators seem to be, um, at least in tone, very receptive and understanding of this problem. Very good, Mr. Secretary. Anything else you wanted to add this morning? Just that I thought it was a thorough, comprehensive report. I support all the recommendations, but the number one recommendation, the one that was listed as number one uh, in the report, was that we need to invest in these upgrades. It is the top issue uh, that potentially faces our election system. Thank you to my guests, Secretary of State Steve Simon and Senator Amy Klobuchar. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The State Department of Natural Resources is launching its 2018 ICANN series. MNN's Tasha Radel has more. Outdoor recreation is a big part of who we are here in Minnesota, and many families already have plans to visit Minnesota State Parks and Trails this summer. But if you didn't grow up camping and fishing, or if it's just been a while, the DNR wants to invite you and your kids to sign up for one of the many ICANN programs. Joining me to talk all things I can is Pat Arndt, Communications Manager for Minnesota State Parks and Trails. Welcome, Pat. Can you give us a little bit of background uh, about this program? The ICANN program series helps families who didn't grow up camping or doing things in the outdoors or haven't done those things for a long time. It helps them brush up on those skills. So you go out to one of these ICANN programs and we provide the equipment and trained instructors in a really fun and safe environment for people. So it's a way to make spending time in the outdoors very approachable and affordable for families. So we just show people the basics, like how to set up a tent, cook over a camp stove, um, how to paddle a canoe, and it hopefully gives them the confidence to go and do these things on their own the next time and have a successful and enjoyable experience outdoors and make those family memories. And I know that there's a number of of different programs when it comes to camping, paddling, fishing, biking. Um, It's really a variety. Yes, absolutely, Tasha. We have an I Can Camp program, so we show you how to set up a tent, how to build a campfire, how to cook over a campfire, and then we also have really fun activities for the families. There's an I Can Paddle where we show you how to canoe or kayak safely. We have both uh, canoeing and kayaking programs. Then there's the I Can Fish program. So we'll show you how to bait a hook and uh, what to do with that fish when you catch it. Again, we provide all the equipment and the trained instructors. And then there's also an I Can Mountain Bike program. That's a really fun one. Um, You know, if you were a little bit nervous about, well, how do I approach mountain biking? I'd like to try it with my family, but we don't have a mountain bike. Uh, We'll take you out, show you how to do it, again, with trained instructors up at Cuyuna Country State Recreation Area. And all of these programs are offered at just a very modest fee. And then we do have one program called Archery in the Parks that is free, and that one doesn't require advanced registration. All of the other programs do require advanced registration, and we know that busy families are making their plans now for the summer, so registration is now 
open, and then the programs begin in June of this year. And if I remember right, these um, programs fill up pretty fast. Is that fair to say? Yes, they're very popular. So we urge people to sign up as soon as you know what your summer plans are and, and to fit some outdoors into your family plans for this summer because outdoor recreation is a big part of who we are here in Minnesota. And let's talk a little bit about signing up. What is the best way to do so? Um, I'm glad you asked about that, Tasha. Just go to mndnr.gov or call the DNR Information Center, and they'll get you signed up, and uh, you'll, you'll have your spot reserved, whether you want to paddle, fish, camp, mountain bike. So if you go to mndnr.gov or call the DNR Information Center, you can pre-register for I Can Camp, I Can Paddle, I Can Fish, or I Can Mountain Bike. And then you'll have your, your summer plans, uh, your outdoor summer family plans sewed up for, for this season. And Pat, I don't know if you mentioned this or if I missed it, but is there any age requirements on these programs? Um, some of the programs do have age requirements, and those are listed online. So I think it would be best for people just to go there and, and see. Most of them will accept people of all ages, but um, some of them we think that there are uh, certain ages where people are better off to wait till they're a little bit older to try them. So you can see all the age requirements online. Anything else that you wanted to add in regard to ICAN programs, Pat? Well, I just wanted to mention that the funding for these programs comes from the Clean Water Land and Legacy Amendment, which is celebrating its 10th anniversary this year. Without the Legacy Amendment, we would not be able to provide these really fun, family-friendly programs for people. And then, you know, if you don't mind, I wanted to switch gears a little bit. I know, um, you know, a lot of holidays are coming up, and it's not too early to, to book your campsites, correct? Oh, absolutely, Tasha. I'm so glad you mentioned that. And you can book your campsite now for the summer. Um, People sometimes think they can't actually book until summertime, but you can do that now. And you just go to mndnr.gov slash reservations and signing up online for your favorite campsite at your favorite Minnesota State Park is really easy to do. And then not to put you on the spot, but, you know, if, if people can't make it to an I Can program, uh, your naturalists across the state are always offering things uh, every weekend. Oh, absolutely, Tasha. Yeah, we have uh, most of those programs are free, and there's all kinds of programs from birding to geology to history of an area. Um, so you can go online and you can search by the date that you're going to be out at a park. You can search by location. Or if you have a particular topic that you're interested in, you can search by that and find something that fits you just perfectly. Well, Pat, those are the questions I had. Anything else you wanted to add today? Perhaps something about the camping, since you mentioned that, um, that all uh, Minnesota State Park campsites are reservable now. So um, you do need to have a reservation in order to camp at a Minnesota State Park. So it's a good idea to get those reservations as soon as you know what your summer plans are. Thanks again to my guest, Pat Art, Communications Manager for Minnesota State Parks and Trails. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters will return after this.
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Another week and another gold medalist here on the program. Last week, MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm welcomed American curling hero John Schuster to the program. This week, Mike entertains Golden Gopher women's hockey star Kelly Panic of Plymouth, who was one of 10 players with Minnesota connections who won an Olympic gold medal in women's hockey last month. The U.S. won in exciting fashion in a gold medal shootout game against Canada in South Korea. Here's Mike Grimm with Kelly Panic on Minnesota Matters. Take me through what uh, it has been like since you've been back uh, from winning the gold medal. It's, I know, been kind of a whirlwind, I suppose, all over the country and making appearances and how much fun you have it. Yeah, I guess right when we get after our game, um, we had a few days left in Korea. And then we flew right to L.A. And there, I mean, it was we got there in the morning and then went on the Ellen show later in the afternoon. We didn't do Kings game. Um, then we flew to Tampa the next day. We're there for a few. We were there for a few days. Um, went to a Lightning's game or Lightning game, and then flew to D.C. for a few days. Um, went to some games there. Got to go to the outdoor stadium series game, which was so cool. Um, went and then from there went to New York, where that was just like full days packed of going to different companies, going to different events. Um, now it's kind of doing stuff in the communities. Um, me and Danny Cameron UC did a day in Plymouth where we got to kind of just do a little meet and greet, take some pictures. Um, thanks some people. So it's really fun. Um, we'll do some more stuff here in the in the in the area with the twins and the Vikings, or the not the Vikings. I wish the Vikings, but the twins and the Wild. Um, which will be fun. I have to ask a logistical question. What do you do now with a gold medal? I mean, do you have it displayed? I mean, obviously you've been showcasing it. That's for sure. Yeah. Today, actually, I think my mom went to go get the ribbon fixed. Mine was starting to rip a little bit, but um, yeah. So right now we're just kind of bringing it everywhere we go. Um, and then sharing with everyone that we can. And then once it kind of gets tucked away, I don't have a case for it. I'll probably get sat in there for a little bit at my parents' house. They'll figure out what to do with it. What um, Take me back to the uh, to the gold medal game. Um, obviously, it was a, a tight game. You guys needed to score late to, uh, to get it to overtime and then eventually got to a shootout. Um, what was the intensity level like, really from, I suppose, the drop of the puck, but then as it, it got into overtime and then the shootout? Yeah, it was a really interesting game. I felt like there was a lot of different kind of swings to it. Um, the first period was, I feel like they kind of even controlled a little bit more. Um, but I feel like throughout the whole thing, we still felt pretty calm um, and kind of had that feeling that, you know, we could win. It's not necessarily that we were going to win, but we knew that we could. And there was never, um, I guess, moments of fear, which I think is really important. And then as the game progressed in the third period, especially, I felt like it really tipped kind of in our favor. And then the overtime, we definitely, I feel like, had control. So it was actually, I mean, a really fun game to be a part of. And then, um, I didn't realize it was going into going to go into a shootout. To be honest, like the game, the overtime ended, the Zamboni started to come off to do like the dry sweep, and I was like, "Wait, what's going on?" They're like, "We're it goes to a shootout," and I was like, "Really?" And they're like, "Yeah." So I and I wasn't stressed. I wasn't going to shoot. So I was like, "Okay, well, I feel like we're still going to win." So I'm calm. I'm excited to watch, and it was really fun to watch. Now, if I remember right, there was a point early in the overtime where you had a shot on goal that piped, right? I mean, you were within an inch of maybe winning the gold medal on a shot yourself, correct? Yeah, it was. it's funny being back here and with people that know me um, and know how I play. They're really, like, expecting me to pass it. So they're like, hey, shoot it, shoot it. And I knew right when I got it, I was going to shoot it, actually, just because of how the D was playing it. But I shot it where I wanted to, and it just, yeah, hit the outside of the post and went kind of swung around and then it was just that was that and I remember I was laughing and some of my teammates at the Gophers they were texting me afterwards and they're like we thought they're you're gonna look super pissed like when they when they kind of pant you and I was like and then they're you're laughing and I was like yeah I was, I was it was funny I mean I just hit the post and overtime of a gold medal game like who would have thought that would happen but yeah it was I mean it was such a fun game to play in. 
when Rooney makes the stop to cinch goal, take me through the emotions. Obviously, you guys, uh, you know, rush the ice as you would expect. Yeah, it was that was really cool because I think after Joss's move, like you don't just pull out that move and then lose that game. Um, so then when Maddie was up to save it and we saw who they sent out for the last shooter, I think everyone was kind of like, okay, this is it. Like, we're going to win right here. And um, Nicole Hensley, our backup goalie on the bench for that game, she had like a leg over it already and actually ended up getting stuck, so it didn't make a difference. It actually blocked more people. But, I mean, just so much joy and happiness and just like a sense of accomplishment that is far beyond words. Um but, I mean, those pictures, like, still looking through them, it gets, like, emotional and just chills every single time. When you um, think about the work you guys put in, when you, you prepare for this, and it leads all up to that one ultimate point, but there were some other things going on in regard to what you guys had done during the summer to, to try to get, uh, you know, more equity involved between men's and women's Olympic hockey and all of that. I mean, when you factor everything in, I mean, it, it's a pretty cool experience, I would think. Yeah, and I think that's kind of, since we've been um, back in the U.S., kind of what we've seen is, especially um, in the bigger cities that we've been to, just how many people are, like, care, are so passionate for what we've done, and not just because of what we've done on the ice, but also off the ice. That's, I think, really cool as well. And it's kind of cool to see after everything we fought for, kind of what's coming through now. Um, yeah, and I think everyone's really proud of not only what we've accomplished on the ice, but also everything that we fought for as well. What's next, uh, I guess, for you? Uh, you're back with the Gophers next season, but what uh, what do you get to do in between now? And <laughs> I'll relax a little bit, um, some vacations planned that I'm looking forward to, and then I think it's just trying to figure out ways to buy my time. Um, I'll get back in kind of the swing of things with the team a little bit in the spring and the summer. So it's really just kind of soaking it in and taking advantage of this, this rest time. Very good. Congrats. Enjoy the rest of it. Thank you. U.S. gold medal winner Kelly Panic with M&N's Mike Grimm. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening. Please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.